This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Sure Payroll. If you're a small business owner, you know payroll and payroll taxes can be a headache. Well, Sure Payroll has changed that by simplifying payroll services with just three easy steps entirely online. To learn more, visit surepayroll.com forward slash fool and get a free quote. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, January 12th, 2017, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I am your host, Sean O'Reilly, and I am joined in studio by the incomparable, the devilishly handsome, the spectacularly awesome Taylor Muckerman. What's up, man? And that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're all done. We're going to go to the bar. Okay. Um, how's it going, man? It's good. What about you? Um, I cannot begin to tell you how much I am loving the sixty degree weather today. Yeah, short sleeves. It's right gonna here. it's gonna go away tomorrow. Yeah, but it's this fleeting. is just like uh, it's a fleeting nice break. to fleeting. Breaks yeah. are important. Yeah. So what you just say? Fleeting to sleeting. I know. Yeah. I heard you. I it's gonna sleep. Actually, on Saturday. I can't believe I've lived my thirty years and I haven't heard that one before. I've never heard it before either. You just made it up yeah. on the spot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna walk down the street and patent that of the trademark office. Fleeting to sleeting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Get the domain name. We <laughs> can Google it. Somebody might have said it before, but um, you think no. like, you don't? You don't think you heard it in like the cultural nexus of? I've America? never heard no. it before. No. Off Lies. the cuff. Lies. You heard it. You watch. You were watching something on Netflix last night, and you just heard it. No Netflix. It's on. It's on Sunny. Uh, Always Sunny, isn't it? If it's on anything that I grabbed it from, that's a good guess. That would be, yeah, yeah that would be my bet. See, how did I know you listened to that? Or did you say it always? It's always sunny in yeah, Philadelphia. Always sunny for in Philadelphia. That, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I apologize, folks. Yeah. Um, another gentleman that happens to be one of our other podcast hosts that loves that show is the tech show's Dylan Lewis. If anybody wants to uh, email him about their shared love of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. What is that? Lewis at fool.com? Yeah, it is. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Dylan, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, those always sunny fans. <laughs> our our producer Austin's just looking at us like, oh, I'm gonna email Dylan right now. <laughs> um, so uh, Taylor, we've been talking about this theme a little bit, you know, because we do have to talk about serious things. And in, in addition yeah, to always sunny enough. in Philadelphia, you gotta open it with a laugh. Um, but you sent me a great article that covered a report put out by uh, Barclays, the investment yes. bank. Uh huh. Um, U.S. oil and gas drilling to lead to 2017 global growth. Um, not surprising because OPEC literally told everybody, "Hi, we want oil, higher oil prices. We're not at 27 a barrel anymore, like they touched down uh, last February. We're at the low 50s." Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested to see what they were talking about on the report, though. Um, they talked about how U.S. production. Listen to this, guys. U.S. production led by the oil majors in terms of capital spending. Likely to go up just under sixty percent. Like this is high ho silver. Wow. Yeah. Um, keeping in mind also that they were at post World War II lows of all time last year, so yeah. this is not you know crazy. Um, spending will increase seven percent worldwide, and uh, back to back the cleanse of twenty six. Okay, this was the other cool statistic. The spending dropped by thirty eight percent last year by U.S. shale drillers. US, yeah, that's U.S. shale. 
Globally, it dropped 23% last year, okay. following a 25% drop in 2015. So you had you lopped off a quarter of spending in 2015, and then you lopped off another quarter on top of that. So this is, you know, the, the headline reversal. number that yeah. I started off with sounds big, yeah. but really, uh, you know, if you lose 50% of your money, you got to double it to get it back. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, yeah, they're not doubling it. They're not They're not getting back well, no, to that where was they were the... in 2013, 2014, but uh, they're trying. Yeah, I mean, uh, international drilling only increased 2%. National oil companies like those in Russia and the Middle East plan to spend 9% more, and this is offset by 7% decline in European companies again. Why? Why? That's backwards, because Russia and the Middle East are supposed to be cutting production, but they're, they're going to spend this is, more. This is suspicious. Makes What's going on here? stroke my beard thinking is, about that. Wh- what does it say European? Is this basically just Total and BP? I mean, is Well, that- so when you think about Europe and you think about the cost curve, a lot of European production comes offshore in the North Sea. Um, that's just naturally declining. Well, that and it's just it's higher Expensive. up on the cost curve, and then even shallow water um, in in the European Union, you're looking at around seventy one dollars break even. So it's really high up there on the cost curve. It's it's out there past Brazilian deep water. It's out there past Canadian oil sands. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I think that might be more expensive is is West African offshore production. So that's probably why the EU is is seeing right. a decline. Because it's just it a the North Sea is difficult, and you're having to push. But the weather's out the so ri- nice up there. You have to push out the risk curve because they've been drilling there for so long um, that that uh, the low hanging fruit's pretty much all been pumped, and um, and then like I said, the the price curve that you see is so just more expensive. Can we, and it's not profitable. Right can now. we define that for the layman? What is the the cost curve, the price curve that you're referring to? It's just the break even, co- the average break even cost per barrel to to produce. And obviously in a that varies. On yeah, it does. Um, you look at uh, I think the, the cheapest in the United States uh, might be the Wolf Camp in the Permian, which is around thirty nine dollars a barrel. So. Quite Does that include now. buying the land or the lease or whatever you want to call I it? I think that's. I think the break even is just going to be the the drilling activity. Okay, to pump so, it like out. so buying the land, you would need fifty or sixty dollars, I would assume, to make it. Yeah, I don't know the exact math, yeah, but I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, once yeah. you own it, like they're they're making money on, on the drilling alone right now, um, and then you've got the Eagle Ford break even around forty dollars a barrel. Onshore OPEC around forty dollars a barrel. Oh, did I say forty for Eagle Ford? It's forty-eight for Eagle Ford. Okay, there you go. Forty for the onshore OPEC, and then Canadian oil sands fifty-four. So you've got from thirty-nine to seventy-one between the Permian and onshore or European shallow water. Now you said OPEC really quick. Uh, there's tons of variation with because that, that's like you know. Couple dozen countries. Um, yes. You know, the, there's That's the, the average of the onshore OPEC, yeah. right? Um, and as I understand it, um, like uh, Qatar and Saudi Arabia are at the very bottom there. Like they stick a straw in the sand and they got oil at nine bucks a yeah, barrel or I mean, something. They're they're the conventional style. Um, there's there's not that much shale drilling going on. They've got these big basins that they can just tap into, um, as we used to drill back in the seventies. So and 80s. if my um, college econ professor were here, he would say that long term commodities. Need Need to be priced at their marginal cost of production for that last bit of supply that you need to meet demand. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some debate, and obviously we don't because you know a lot of these countries self-report and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Um, the world right now needs about 95, 96 million barrels, and uh, as I understand it, and even this report bore this out, they noted that in the Sparkly's report, only offshore drilling will continue to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is that that last couple of million barrels per day that the planet needs comes from offshore. Yeah. 
Um, and you're telling me that they're still cutting because they need higher prices. So that, correct me if I'm wrong, that has implications. Yeah, I mean, you, you've seen some interest in Mexico offshore. They had a lease auction not a couple months ago. They had some interest from the majors uh, for that. But um, Brazilian deep water, not nearly as high as, as the North Sea or any European drilling or African drilling on the cost curve. But um, you still see some question marks there because of the government involvement with Petrobras and all the, the all the requirements that they make. Um, so people are still a little wary of getting involved with drilling in Brazil. But that yeah, I mean, eventually you're looking about maybe, I don't know, you could probably say in the next five to 10 years, you're going to see spending ramp up there. But that Barclays report suggests that offshore spending is going to drop by 20% wow. again this year. That's uh, so. Yeah, it seems to me like you're going to get a full recovery in shale way before. I mean, it's offshore. already started. Yeah, yeah. You, you saw um, this fourth quarter of which segues into our next uh, topic. I think um, is the first quarter of production growth in the U.S. Uh, since like early 2015. Who'd have thunk? Yeah. So it is turned around already, um, up from 8.9 million barrels per day last year, which was down from 2015 slightly, um, and definitely down from 2014. But we're expecting an uptick here this year in 2017. Got it. Cool. All right. Well, before we move on, I just wanted to highlight that once again, this episode of Motley Fool's Industry Focus is brought to you by Shore Payroll. If you're a small business owner and you know payrolling can be a headache, and did you know that small businesses pay hefty fines on a yearly basis due to payroll oversights? Well, now you can protect your business and remove the payroll tax complications with Sure Payroll. Sure Payroll started in 2000 as the first company to offer an entirely online payroll solution. Sure Payroll is simple and can be used on any device with just three easy steps. Enter your employees' hour and salaries, preview the taxes being deducted, approve payroll, and you're done. Sure Payroll will automatically file and pay your federal, state, and local taxes. They make it easy and affordable to manage your small business payroll online, so you can focus on your business instead of worrying about late fees and fines. Their customers include a range of business types, such as dental offices, insurance agents, restaurants, barbershops, charitable foundations, tech startups, and more. In fact, when they were just a small company, Twitter even listed Sure Payroll as a provider. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and a thought leader in the small business and entrepreneurial space. They've recently been featured in USA Today, Fox Business, TechCrunch, CNN Money, and Entrepreneur. Just go to surepayroll.com forward slash fool and fill out the free quote form. That's sure payroll.com forward slash fool. We thank Sure Payroll for their support. So, Mr. Muckerman, um, you know, you mentioned uh, our next topic. It was a nice segue there. Um, U.S. Department of Energy says that the U.S. oil production declines are finally over. Um, What has it been, two years? Yeah, early 2015, late 20, well, late 14 is when people started to get tense. That's but when yeah, I started 20, doing this podcast. 20, maybe, I, maybe I was the cause. <laughs> Hear the jinx. Uh, 2015, yeah, you saw a production slide. 2016, saw a production slide. Um, but um, so apparently we're on the up. Um, I have two questions for you. Yeah. Um, one, how nervous is everybody going to be? How but, conservative are they going to be in ramping up production? Well, I don't know. You you saw, like we mentioned, the fourth quarter, we saw an uptick in production. Um, you're, you're still going to see... The folks that can produce the cheapest uh, win have the best odds of yeah of quote unquote winning. Um, p- 
people have been folks companies have been buying up land uh they've been issuing stock to do so they've been spending on their balance sheet to do so and 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 that's always been at least in the last few months in these basins like we talked about the eagle ford and the bakken and maybe a little bit in the utica uh which is right there in ohio west virginia western pennsylvania region so they're really trying to find acreage that can produce at the $39 a barrel that we talked about in the Wolf Camp or the, the $48 a barrel break-even in the Eagle Ford. Um, so I would imagine some trepidation in terms of like people getting out there and tentatively starting to drill again. But uh, we've talked about it before, a lot of unfracked wells that folks just have that last stage to do, right. which is basically um, fracturing the wells with um, their horizontal drilling has already been done. So. Got it. Fracking and pumping um, is all that's left for a lot of those wells. I guess what I mean is, um, I can't remember where the land rig count topped out at. It was like thirteen or fourteen hundred. It was a lot. It was it was up there. Yeah. Like we bottomed out at. I don't have three, yeah, four, five hundred. I mean, it was very low. It's been a few months of rising rig counts, but and like that's mostly been in the Permian. It's Texas yeah. has been holding the mantle. I just uh, I increased ha- drilling. I have to assume. It's going to be a while, or we're going to need way higher oil prices for the rig count to get back to that level. Yeah, who knows if we ever see it again? I mean, that's because they've gotten even more efficient. Yeah, you know what I mean, like pad drilling where you can use the same rig on multiple wells within within um, a smaller footprint because you're basically just putting these rigs on a track rather than having to disassemble them every time you want to drill a well. So yeah, they're they're more efficient. You can use a well or a rig. more than once over the course of a few weeks rather than, you know, a couple times a month. And, uh, yeah, Halliburton, Schlumberger, Baker Hughes are, are, are making it work in terms of not needing as high of a rig count. And I think that'll benefit the entire industry. Um, so, bring it back around because this is a investing podcast. Yeah. Um, so, hit on two themes. One, the rig count, their U.S. production declines are Good, you know, over supposedly so, over. Supposedly over. Anecdotally, we think yes. so. Um, so that obviously lends itself to increased equipment usage. So Baker Hughes and Halliburton, that's good for mm-hmm. them. Um, what's is there any other sure bets in there in terms of just you know assuming U.S. oil's back? Well, so in terms of the big three services companies, Baker Hughes and Halliburton, Halliburton being number one, I would say if you do see that divergence between a massive uptick in U.S. drilling uh, spend versus a minor like 2% ex-U.S. global spend, because Schlumberger gets the majority of its revenues internationally, whereas Halberton and Baker Hughes get the majority of their revenues domestically. Right. Um, so those would be the two I would focus on if you're looking at a services company. We mentioned the two low-cost basins in the United States, the, Bakken, or the, the Eagle Ford and the Permian. Um, just... Without getting into these companies specifically, these are just the top producers in those two basins. If you look at the Permian, you're looking at Occidental Petroleum, Chevron, Apache, Exxon, and Concho Resources. Okay. If you're looking at the Eagle Ford, you're looking at EOG, which is not even close to like second place is so far down the list in terms of assets. They're the production. largest independent in the producer. U.S. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so that's... EOG number one. ConocoPhillips 2, BHP Billiton, Chesapeake, and Marathon Oil. So you've got 10 companies there you can go look at between those two basins. But then also, we're looking at an uptick in natural gas production because you see exports coming online. 
in 2016 with a couple trains down in Sabine Pass for Chenier Energy. They also have a couple more trains that should come online this year, a train being um, one single means of export. So uh, all these trains are similar in terms of what they export, but they bring them online individually. And then you have Dominion uh, focusing on its Cove Point facility in Maryland. That should come online this year as well. So not only are we needing more natural gas domestically for energy production, but we're also now able to export it, and that's coming online finally. So, A lot of good leads there. A lot of good leads. And the, basically, the theme is, we're not endorsing any of these names, but those are the two, the two lowest cost areas in terms of U.S. onshore oil production, and those are the companies that are the biggest players. Correct. And then if you want to look at um, natural gas companies for the export, you've got Chenier and Dominion. Um, and then you know, there's plenty of producers out there. You can take a look at Southwestern or Range Resources. Uh, both of those are pretty pretty heavily tied to natural gas. Chesapeake as well. It's got the, the nice assets in the Eagle Ford, but then it's also heavily embedded in the Utica, which is predominantly natural gas. They're also heavily embedded on their balance sheet. Knuck, knuck, ah, knuck. <laughs> energy jokes, financial uh, jokes. I had to. I'm yeah, sorry. that's fine. You can't let them slide. They've had a rough five to ten years. Um, who knows? It seems like they're getting their act together. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your thoughts, sir. Yeah, appreciate it. Have a good one. Enjoy the weather. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm inside, but... Well, go out for lunch. (laughs) And that is it for us, folks. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for the Technology Show with Dylan Lewis. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Taylor Markham, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!